Storehouse Dallas. So I want to start this morning. I have called this Christ the King. Um, and I want to I want to share my heart because um, I always kind of wrestle with the Lord. I don't know how many of you are this way, but you know, the week leading up to this day is always really hard. Um, there's so much happening emotionally, thinking about where he was during that week, what he was doing during that week, what must have been going through his mind, what must have been going through his heart, what kind of emotions he must have been going through. As he rode into the city, Matthew did a great job over the last couple of weeks of talking about Jesus, the King of the Jews. And I encourage you to go back and get those messages. But, you know, when he rode into town, when he came into town for Passover, which he did every year, you know, it was part of what the Jewish people did. And so he's coming to Jerusalem. But this year was going to be different for him. Because this year he was the Passover lamb. And he knew it. He's riding on that donkey and what's happening there is the people of the land know he is king, and they begin to say to him, blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord, peace in heaven and glory in the highest. And the Pharisees called out to correct him, and he said to the Pharisees, listen, if they don't call me king, even the rocks will cry out, Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord, Hosanna in the highest. Blessed is our King Jesus as he enters into the city. And so I was really, this whole week, I was, uh, you know, I was sad. Because King Jesus, he made a decision. He willingly went through the whole process. He willingly went through the emotions. He willingly knew what was coming. And I don't know about you, but if that were me, I'm not sure I could even talk, more or less encourage all of my disciples. I don't know if I could even physically make my way from place to place like he did. Because he knew he was king. He knew he was king. He knew he was God. He knew what was about to happen. And it takes us back. If you start at the beginning, if you start at the very beginning, when, when he was just born, and no, I don't have my holidays confused, but if you start at the very beginning, when, when the magi, when the three wise men are coming to find him because the stars in the heaven are, are proclaiming his birth, they come through the city of Jerusalem, and what do they begin to tell people? They begin to tell them that they're looking for the king. They're looking for the king of the Jews, even the magicians. Guys, these people were astrologers. They were not believers. They were not Jewish, but they, had, they, were, they were watching what was happening in the sky. And they even knew it was a testimony that a king is about to be born. 
And so Herod catches wind of this, calls them before him, and begins to question them and say, what are you saying? What do you mean by a king is coming? What are you, what are you saying? And, 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 and so they tell him about the star. They tell him about all of the scriptures and what they say to testify about this king that is coming. And Herod's like, okay, hold on a minute. So then he calls all the scribes in. He calls the Pharisees in and he says, tell me about this king. And they say to him, the king is the Christ. Now, what does that mean? Christ is a title. It is not a name. Christ means the anointed one. The anointed one. When you are anointing, what does anointing do? It breaks the yoke. What does an anointing do? It brings all wickedness down. What does an anointing do? It conquers kingdoms. And so when Herod heard that, he was like, wait a minute. So basically you're telling me the anointed king is coming. And so he set about to kill this baby. That's how terrified he was. He was in charge of the largest kingdom on earth, but yet scared of a child who is a king and anointed to rule and reign. And so he even, when the Magi fooled him and didn't come back his way, he even went about, he was so angry about it that he even went about killing every child, every male child under two years old. The idea of a king coming from heaven caused them to want to murder him. As it was in the beginning, so it was in the end. And he knew that his kingship would cause them to kill him. So fast forward 30 years after Herod kills all of the babies in Bethlehem. And Jesus, knowing again who he is, he steps on the scene and he says... The spirit of the Lord has anointed me to preach the good news of my kingdom. There is a kingdom that you know not of, but I am the king and I have been anointed to usher this in as king and bring a new rule and reign into the earth. And so he, when he said that, what he was saying I'm king of the earth. And so he knew from the beginning of creation that this moment had been prepared for him. He knew that he was with the father. And when the fall came in the garden, he knew he was the answer and that he was going to be the solution to what they needed. Now think about this for a minute because he left his eternal station he left his eternal place, seated at the right hand of the Father. The word that was in the beginning left his place to come down and become human forever. He's not temporarily human. He is now 100% man and 100% God forever. He's the firstborn from the dead. He is a faithful witness. He will forever be in human form. So, 
What did he do? When he came, he said, listen, I'm going to talk to you about being a king on the earth, and I'm going to show you what this kingdom is. I'm going to demonstrate the kingdom. I'm going to teach on the kingdom. And that's pretty much all he did the whole time he was here, walking on the earth. Because he said, even though I keep saying it, most of you are not going to get it. Which, quite frankly, is the condition of the church today. Everybody's like, what? The kingdom? What are you talking about? The kingdom? He demonstrated a spiritual kingdom. And in this kingdom, there's no sickness. There's no disease. There's no lack. There's no poverty. There's no fear. There's no shame. In this kingdom, the king rules over all of that. So if you look at the body of Christ and you look at the condition of the body of Christ, you can measure how much they understand how to operate in the kingdom. Because we will bear fruit of that kingdom, won't we? So we'll be walking in what? Freedom. We'll be walking in holiness. We will be walking in peace. We will be walking in every single thing that belongs to Jesus. And not only will we be walking in it, but we'll be bringing it down to the earth for others to eat from that table. So as I said, this week's kind of hard for me because I kind of wrestle with all of his emotions. And I just sit before him and I cry and I cry and I cry and I cry and I cry. Now, can you imagine what the disciples must have felt? Because they're hanging out with him. I mean, this is his, I mean, the disciples were like teenagers, right? They were like 14 to 16 years old. They were very young. And so they're following Jesus. He's their rabbi. Yeah, for every teenager here. Come on. And so Jesus kept telling them over and over. He said several times in Luke 9, verse 22, he said this, the son of man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders and the chief priests and scribes and be killed and be raised in the third day. Now that was pretty early on in his ministry. And you know, Peter's like, no, that's not going to happen. I'll save you. He's like, get behind me, Satan. For, for this reason, I came to the earth. He already knew. He knew. He knew as, as very early on, I believe, in his life that he had come to be the sacrificial lamb. So then he says this in Matthew um, chapter 20, verse 17 through 19. Now Jesus going up to Jerusalem, and this was at the moment that he is actually on his way to be the sacrificial lamb. He took the 12 disciples aside on the road and he said to them, behold, we are going up to Jerusalem and the son of man will be betrayed to the chief priest and to the scribes and they will condemn him to death and deliver him to the Gentiles to mock and scourge and be crucified. And on the third day, he will rise again. I mean, I don't know. They can't get more clear than that. But they're like, what? What What are you talking about? No, wait. Okay, so you know when you have, a, a, you, you know, like you've got a destiny and you've got a plan and you've heard something from the Lord and you just know how it's going to go because you've got it all mapped out in your brain, right? And, and then you start down that road and 
it doesn't go anything like what you thought. You're like, well, okay, I thought this was going to be easy. And so they're thinking to themselves in terms of, of, of getting free, and they're thinking to themselves about an earthly kingdom, right? But he's not talking about that at all. So, so when he starts to tell them that he's going to die and be crucified and betrayed, this is not the plan that they had in their hearts. Because what does that mean for their lives, right? It's all about me, right? So what does he do? The first thing he does when he comes into town is he gets out that whip, you know, and he begins to cleanse the table. And they're like, okay, why are you doing this? You know, you're turning over all the tables and you're making everyone really mad. But what does he do? He goes in, man, he begins to wreck shop in that place. He is so angry. It said that the zeal of the Lord consumed him for his house. And so he starts turning everything over because he said, my house is to be a house of prayer. My house is to be a house of love. My house is to be a house of intimacy, not a house of religion. And he said, I will have intimacy and communication with my people. Have you ever tried to have intimacy with your husband and not talk? No, it doesn't work. You know, you can't connect at the heart without actually saying something. And so Jesus is like, I'm, I'm after a house of love. I'm after a house of, 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 uh, of, of fervent passion with my people. So in John uh, chapters 14 through 17, then he begins, he, he has the Last Supper, okay? He's sitting there, this, there with the Last Supper, and he said, it is my fervent desire that I would eat this meal with you. Now, again, he knows within 24 hours what's about to take place after the Last Supper. He knows he's going to be betrayed. He knows he's going to be beaten, mocked, rejected, scorned, mutilated, but what does he say to his disciples? He said, it is my fervent desire that I would eat this meal with you before I suffer. So in his heart, he's like, we get to connect like this one last time before I suffer. And it was really, I think even for him, he was saying, this does my heart so good because I love you so much. And I want to break bread with you. I want to have an intimate conversation with you. I don't know about y'all, but you know, you can have coffee with someone and it's great. But when you break bread with someone, when you have a meal with someone, something happens and there's a connection. <laughs> and then he goes on and he says this. He washes their feet. In, in, in chapters 14 through 16, he says, let me tell you the truth about how to live. And then I want to read for you John chapter 16, and you can open your Bibles. John chapter 16. 
verse 5. John chapter 16, verse 5. Follow along with me. But now I go away to him who sent me, and none of you asks me, where are you going? But because I have said these things to you, sorrow has filled your heart. Nevertheless, I tell you the truth. It is to your advantage that I go away. For if I do not go away, the helper will not come to you. But if I depart, I will send him to you. And so let's jump down to verse 13. However, when he, the spirit of truth, has come, he will guide you into all truth. For he will not speak on his own authority, but whatever he hears, he will speak and he will tell you the things that will come. The spirit of truth will come to you and he will tell you the things that will come. This to me is probably the most compelling statement that Jesus spoke before he died. Because he's saying to them, it is really better for you that I go. And in their minds, they're thinking to themselves, how can that be? Because I've watched you these three years. We've followed you. We've, we've laid down everything to be with you. And we've seen you. You, you changed the weather. You, you healed the sick. You raised the dead. How is it that you can go? Because all of our hope is in a man. All of our hope is in you. But church, I have to challenge you this. Because that's pretty much the way we are today. All of our hope is in a pastor. All of our hope is in a system of traditions and religion. And he's saying, no, listen, I have actually, I died on the cross, not so you could get into religion, not so you could even be a religion, but I died on the cross so you could be a new man. You could be a new man and you could be a new spiritual man and, and, and the spirit that's on the inside of you can converse the spirit that's in heaven and, and, and everything that you need, it'll be available to you. I will be your teacher, your helper, your counselor. I will be everything that you need. You never have to be afraid again. You don't have to be sick. You don't have to be in lack. So he keeps talking to them about this spiritual kingdom that it's going to come and he's going to set it up. But all they can think of is a physical kingdom. But I mean, honestly, on their behalf, how can you conceptualize something that you've never seen before? This does not exist. What Jesus is talking about, it does not exist in the earth at all, ever, in all of history. Do they have any idea what he's talking about? And see, that's the beauty of what happened at the cross. This was the biggest game changer in all of mankind. And nobody, including the demonic, including Lucifer, saw it coming. This was the biggest upset ever, ever in the history of mankind. Jesus is like, you think I'm coming and I'm going to set up a physical kingdom. But no, here's what I'm going to do. I'm actually going to start with my people. 
and I'm going to raise them up and I'm going to make them dread champions. I am going to make them grand champions and they are actually going to rule and reign for me. And then they're going to prepare the way for my physical kingdom to come down to earth. Amen. So first he was like, we're going to do this my way. And we are going to do this, set up a spiritual kingdom first, and then we are going to set up a physical kingdom. But here's the challenge. You're, we are going to have to get on his plan. Not, not the, 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 the way uh, of the church, the Western church over the last several thousands of years where you have a priest that stands between you and God. Right? Or... You go to church on Sundays and you check the box. See, he knew this. He actually even talked about this in, 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 in uh, chapter 17 in the book of John. He went on to pray. He prayed for himself. And he said, Father, will you glorify me and return me back to the state that I was in with you before I came to the earth? Second, he talked about the disciples. And I'm praying for the disciples now. Father, would you guard and protect them? Don't take them out of the earth, but keep them in the earth. But give them your word through me as they believe they'll do great exploits. Then he prayed for you. And he said, Father. I pray that as you and I are one, they would be one with us so that the world may know that I love you and I love them. What? So that the world may know about my love. You see, church, when Jesus came, he said, I didn't come to judge the world. I came to save the world. But because we have no intimacy, because we have no prayer life, because we've gone about being busy, 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 busy. I mean, I'm all about baking a casserole. That's good. But this is all about a man that we connect with personally. And that's why he's building houses of prayer all throughout the earth because he's restoring his bride to her first love because he's coming back for a spotless bride who is in love and not going around judging sinners. Why don't they know the truth of who Jesus is? Because we're too busy judging them because they're doing what they do. Sinners are going to sin. Come on. I don't mean you don't stand for justice, but beloved, we are supposed to be the greatest lovers in all of history because we have Christ that lives on the inside of us. So we knew he was king of the earth, but yet he chose to humble himself and allow these sinful men to beat him, to accuse him, to mock him, to pierce him. He willingly went to the cross. Can you imagine not putting up any resistance as they're holding your hands to nail them to the cross? I mean, I'd be like, oh, nope, not that hand. Even if you got the other hand, no, that hurts so bad. I don't want this hand. But I mean, he just willingly, he knew why he came. So they got him on the cross by accusing him of being Christ, the king of the Jews. Jesus explained to Pilate that he came to bear witness of the truth, that his kingdom was from above and not on the earth. 
He said this in John chapter 18, my kingdom is not of this world for if my kingdom were, was of this world, my servants would fight that I might not be handed over to the Jews, but my kingdom is not of this world. Pilate said to him, so you are a king. And Jesus answered, you say that I am a king. For this I was born, and for this I have come into the world to bear witness of the truth. Everyone who is of the truth hears my voice. Now at that moment, what happened is that Pilate stops. And he turns back around and he goes, wait a minute. You just said something that really caught my eye because what is truth? I ask him the same question every single day. What is truth? Because my whole story has already been written. My whole story in Christ has already been written. And I have to know what is the truth of my story? What is the truth of what you say about me? What is the truth that you say uh, that you have for me? What is it today? How can I access the wisdom from heaven and the truth from heaven so that I can follow the breadcrumbs that you've left for me so that I can fully prosper? It's kind of like this. It's like every morning you wake up and you have um, Michelangelo and he's in your house. And he's there, and Abraham Lincoln's there, and Albert Einstein is there, and I don't know, William Buffett sitting there. They're all just sitting there in your house, and you're, they're like, hey, do you, want, do you want us to help you be successful? Do you want us to help you? Can, can we help you to, to, be, to be prospered in the earth? And you go, no, I got this. I got this. It's okay. It's cool. Why? But Jesus created each one of them. And, and, and Jesus is greater than all of them combined. You take every genius that has ever lived. There's like 20 of them. That's all. But Jesus is smarter than all of them. He's like, you see those guys? IQ 177. Of course, they don't know how to open an umbrella, but that's cool. You know. <laughs> I don't know about you, but I was always like, I have common sense. <laughs> My brother's like this seriously popular heart surgeon, like all the really important people go to him, and I'm like, I have common sense. <laughs> but that, <laughs> and a good personality, amen? <laughs> <sighs> So, so, really, it's, it's that way. So every day, Jesus is sitting there, and he's ready. He's waiting to talk. He's, he, he wants to tell you. He's, he's like, I'm your helper. I'm your helper. I've been sent to you. And I am going to, what did he say? I am going to lead you into all truth. Amazing. And so they, Pilate had this plaque made, King of the Jews. It was in Hebrew and Latin and Greek. And the Jews are saying, no, 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 no. You don't want to put that on the plaque. You want to put on the plaque. He said he's the King of the Jews. And Pilate's like, nope, I think I'm going to let that stand. Jesus, King of the Jews, which is the very thing that landed him on the cross. 
They tried to kill him when he was born, and they finally got him as king. Because it was the threat. No, 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 you can't, you can't bring the kingdom to the earth. See, the enemy doesn't care if you're religious. He doesn't care if you go to church on Wednesdays. You're like uber religious. I go on Sunday and Wednesdays. I don't, he doesn't care. But the minute that you begin to access the kingdom and bring the kingdom to the earth, that's when you will wreck shop on his authority. The Lord said in the book of Revelation that he has made us both priests and kings to our God, both priests and kings to our God, and we, you, will rule in the earth. Hallelujah. That's good news. Bethany, why don't you come on up? All right, we're going to do a little more worship. He did not come to establish an earthly kingdom, but a spiritual kingdom. And he came to establish through his death, resurrection, when he rose from the dead. What he did is he came to recreate a people that were a spiritual people. You can only access the kingdom with Christ on the inside of you. If you have been baptized in the Holy Spirit and fire, which is what happened at Pentecost. And so you can access the spiritual things. Why? Why? Because he's coming back. That's the good news. He's coming back. But he said, I'm going to leave you in charge until I get here. So look busy. But he said, you're going to be a spiritual race of men and women that access the kingdom. You rule and reign with him. You bring the earth into submission on his behalf that he would spread throughout all of the earth. And then what will happen is a sound is going to start coming from the earth. The earth, the frequency of all the sons and daughters that are gone on the earth, there's a reciprocal sound that's from heaven it's coming down to earth and the sons and the daughters are saying it and it's going up to heaven and it's coming down to the earth and it's creating a shaking in the earth you want to know what's going to happen in the end days if there's going to be trouble on the earth but you're the reason there's going to be trouble on the earth because you keep saying and singing what God is saying because the spirit and the bride are beckoning and hearkening him back to the earth and as this sound grows louder and louder so he will respond and we are going to reach a tipping point we are going to reach a tipping point where the sound becomes so loud that he can't resist coming home. So let's worship. Why don't you stand? Jesus willingly died on the cross and he rose in victory. He created a new race of people that we are one with him. He was a forerunner for us as God and man so that we could now be forerunners in the earth as God and men. 
that we rule and reign with Christ and he is seated at the right hand of the Father and he is seated in us. We are seated in him in heavenly places. You have so much authority. All you have to do is say, Jesus, what do I say? It's that simple. You speak to those things. You speak to those mountains. Thank you.